0: these distant truths, so that we might live in a spiritually prepared way today, until these other events come. And, and as I said earlier, the signs of the time throughout the Bible, the Book of Daniel, Christ's warnings in His Olivet Discourse, Paul's warnings in His uh, in First and Second Thessalonians, and John's message in Revelation all dictate that we are very close to the last. We are in the last days of the Church Age, very close to Christ coming. So the Book of Revelation is eminently important right now because um, uh, we, we, are, we are very near the fulfillment of the things written in that chapter, particularly from uh, chapters 6 through 19, which speak of the tribulation period.
1: This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and on today's show, I am really excited to welcome Greg Hinnant. Greg, are you there?
0: Yes, I am. Yes, Taylor.
1: How are you doing today?
0: doing very well doing very well looking forward to our chat.
1: I'm really looking forward to our discussion too you've got uh, you've got a great resume of stuff that you've put together. You are a teacher with the Christian Life School of Theology Global. you're an author of multiple different types of books from commentaries to devotionals to Christian living books so I'm I think that we're gonna have a really interesting discussion today.
0: Yes, I do too.
1: All right. so one thing that caught my eye early on when I was like reading a little bit about you is that you describe yourself as being called out from your field of music education and later business into the world of ministry. Can you kind of share about that experience?
0: Uh, Yes, um, my original interests uh, when I was in high school were athletics and music and I went to school in music at uh, Appalachian State. And uh, during the course of those studies, the Lord just uh, distinctly changed my mind. I was, a, I was a Christian at the time. He distinctly changed my mind and let me know that I would not be working in that field, but rather was called to ministry. So that was a turning point when I was uh, third year at App State, and he led me down a road which led eventually to uh, deeper biblical studies and into writing, and then the writing developed from pieces and magazines into books. And probably the turning point was in 1996 when um, I met Judson Cornwall, and he liked my first book that was published then by Bridge Logos Publishers and uh, became a mentor figure to me there for the next eight years before he passed. And, And that launched both the extended writing ministry, and also he introduced me to Ron Cottle, who's the president at that time of Christian Life School of Theology.
1: So I know one of your most recent projects is called is a book called Colossian Notes. And Colossian Notes is, as far as I understand, a commentary of the book of Colossians. Can you explain a little bit about why you chose to write on this subject and what you think we can learn about it today?
0: Yes, because my primary ministry now, Taylor, is as an expositor, a biblical expositor, to um, explain and bring forth in detail the meaning of the text of the Bible. And uh, I'm in a phase now of writing inspirational commentaries, and I call them that because they give you both the grammatical and historical interpretation of the biblical text of whatever book I'm examining, but they also give you a very practical, spiritual, and spiritual application of the principles um, in the text to our lives. So I'm bringing the ancient text down to the shores of our practical lives today as we walk with Christ. In this world. Now, Colossians was the, is, um, is um, just another commentary which I'm working on here. It opens the fantastic book of Colossians, which is a short but very powerful epistle covering a, an amazingly wide range of topics uh, that we need to know.
1: So what made Colossians as a book stand out to you, where you're like, I want to write about this?
0: Well, actually, it was just a decision to—I uh, felt like the Lord was leading me to uh, examine uh, Pauline epistles and do commentaries on them, particularly his prison epistles. And uh, so uh, last year I, um, I wrote a commentary on Philippians and this year um, on Colossians. And, uh, and so and I'm continuing in the commentary phase, and I'm actually now uh, finishing uh, a, rush, a rough draft on the book of Revelation. So, so I'm in a commentary phase here in my ministry and my writing, and the Colossians was the one the Lord uh, was the book the Lord led me to in this last year.
1: What do you think we can learn from the book of Colossians in the time that we live in?
0: Well, there's lots of things. It's uh, this book is um, uh, philosophical in that it is a polemical work that is a, a book which uh, which attacks the errors that were attacking the Colossian church, namely the uh, false teachings of the early Gnostics. And so it, uh, it gives us um, a perspective on Greek and Roman philosophy, which really in a sense is still linked to our own Western philosophies today, and points out that Christ is our great philosopher. Uh, Paul said in chapter two that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then he said later in the chapter that we are complete in him. So Paul is teaching that we can take Christ as our philosopher, and in the body of his teachings, find all the essential, basic, uh, philosophical questions of life. Then he talks about practical issues in chapter 3. Uh, he will, Paul will not let us get by with lofty theology or philosophy. He wants to bring these truths right down to the shores of our lives. So he instructs us in detail how we are to live in our various relationships of life in chapter 3, and also how we need to live holy lives, um, which again was a contrast to what the Colossians uh, were being taught by the Gnostics. Uh, Part of the Gnostic sect believed that because our bodies, in their view, uh, were evil, that therefore uh, however we lived in the body did not affect our soul. So they indulged licentiousness. This is just one of their errors. So that's just um, some of the the themes in the book. Probably the most important, however, would be uh, the preeminence of Christ. The Gnostic teachings, in effect, demoted Jesus to a created being rather than a divine being, and one of many intermediaries between God and humankind, whereas Paul obviously taught that Christ was the only mediator between God and man. So in his writing, Paul lifted up Jesus to his proper place. He put him on a pedestal of preeminence. Uh, If you will, introduce Christ as his preeminence in chapter 1, verses 15 through 19, and bringing up all the wonderful aspects of his his preeminence, that Christ is the image of God, the creator of everything in the world, material and spiritual, the coherer, holding all things together, uh, the head of the church, the fullness of God, etc. So he lifts Jesus up in this epistle, probably more than in any other New Testament letter.
1: So as you're immersing yourself in these epistles, what what stood out to you? What were you surprised to find, or what really had an impact on you?
0: Well, there were several things. Um, one of the things was the fact that when Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church. He did not know uh, – that is, we have no evidence that he knew that there was a uh, catastrophe about to visit their area of, um, of the province of Asia. About a year and a half to two years after he wrote this, uh, no later than that, um, a, an earthquake rocked the city of Colossae and uh, reduced it uh, basically to rubble. And it was just a small, in, in, uh, inconsequential village after that. So when he wrote chapter 3, this is what struck me. He was, he was telling them to seek the things which are above. He said, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, uh, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. Well, so he was instructing them to live for the higher and the heavenly things, to set their heart and their minds on those things, not on the worldly level, And on the things of this world, lust of the flesh, uh, pride of life, uh, and the lust of the eyes, as John would say. Uh, But he didn't know that this this earthquake was coming, but the Spirit who inspired him did. So in chapter 3, Paul is instructing the Colossians to look up, and God was having him do this because they were about to have their world rocked. So what I saw there was a parallel to today. We are on the cusp of Jesus returning jesus coming for his church Uh, we have turmoil in the world in our nation in our culture and we should look up and fix our minds and hearts first on the heavenly things the things of god then we'll be prepared for any quaking that comes in our culture our nation or our world and we do know uh from the from the prophecies of the new testament there is a time coming the tribulation period which which will be the Uh, uh, most devastating period of divine judgments uh, to date. Now, it's my belief that the Church is not intended for that time. We're to be tested before that time and then removed before that time. That's a special time of testing for Israel and the Church. They're differing in time views, I understand that. But nevertheless, that time of uh, quaking, if you will, is coming, and the Spirit is bidding us today to look up and set our hearts and minds on the eternal things and not be caught up, for instance, with politics, nationalism, social issues, be aware of these things, have our opinion, and conduct ourselves as Christians should, but not to be bound and entangled by these things on the earthly, natural plane.
1: That's a great point that you bring up. Now, one thing I was wondering about, especially when you said that you're in a commentary writing phase of your ministry at this point, is how how does one go about writing a commentary? Because I think of that in the same way that, like, many pastors, when they're working on a new sermon, they might consult commentaries. But when you're writing a commentary, you're you don't really have you're writing the original source resource in a sense.
0: Yeah, the the primary difference, and to answer your question, is with grace and prayer. <laughs> you go about it with grace and prayer. Uh, this is a calling that's on my life. He called me to the expositional ministry. Not every teacher is called to that. Uh, as you just mentioned, most teachers and pastors are examining secondary sources. Now, of course, they read the biblical text, but they may not go too deep in the text. Whereas an expositor is going to be examining the text in far greater detail, both the grammar, uh, the historical context, who is writing, to whom they were writing, all the critical aspects of biblical uh, review. Um, uh, and so uh, that's that's what I'm doing. I mean, direct examination of the scripture. Uh, to to bring forth the meaning, and then it does provide the material for teaching and preaching, which pastors and teachers then take and and take to the body of Christ. So, as far as how we how you go about it, uh, prayerfully, prayerfully and systematically, I take uh, obviously a the book as a whole, a chapter at a time, examining the text for the grammatical and and um, uh, and historical content. And then I go back through reading it uh, prayerfully uh, numerous other times, um, looking to extract uh, spiritual insights for living, which I can then uh, include in the commentary. So it has both the academic and inspirational in its material.
1: That's a neat – perspective to take to the whole thing, and especially since, like, it's it's so different from anything I've done, because, like, I've never written a commentary or something like that. I'm sure most of our listeners haven't as well, so it's kind of a cool peek behind the curtain in that sense. Uh, one other thing I was curious about, you mentioned that you're currently working on a commentary of Revelation. W- what's that like as an experience?
0: Well, that, that's a more voluminous work. Uh, it's about twice the size, almost, as the Colossian notes. It's most eminently timely. Um, I can think of no New Testament book that's more timely than the Revelation. Um, I am not one of those who is hung up on the last things. I don't think anyone should be. I think our major thrust should be to walk closely with Christ. Then we are spiritually prepared for whatever comes, whenever it comes. Uh, But nevertheless, the Lord gave us this amazing cap to all biblical prophecy called the Revelation. He gave it to John to give to us so that we would have assurance of certain things in the future. We would know with rock-solid confidence that Jesus would return, approximately the position of his return in relation to the last things. What would follow? His thousand-year reign on earth. Um, Before that time, the judgment of Antichrist. Um and um, and then after that, the final uh, judgment, after the thousand years of uh, Christ' reign on earth, the final judgment, and the new day of God, the eternity to come. He wanted us to have these certain facts uh, pinned down. He wanted us to know them because revelation is given for preparation. He revealed these distant truths so that we might live in a spiritually prepared way today, until these other events come. And, and as I said earlier, the signs of the time throughout the Bible, the book of Daniel, Christ's warnings in his Olivet discourse, Paul's warnings in his 1st in and 2nd Thessalonians, and John's message in Revelation all dictate that we are very close to the last, we are in the last days of the church age, very close to Christ's coming. So the book of Revelation is eminently Important right now because um, uh, we we are we are very near the fulfillment of the things written in that chapter, particularly from uh, chapters six through nineteen, which speak of the tribulation period. And I also discovered in the, going into a deeper study of the book how relevant chapters two or three, to, uh, chapters two and three, are to us today in Christian living. The seven churches of Asia uh, typify um, various elements. Various kinds of Christian living and various kinds of churches. And while they are historical messages applicable to the churches existing in AD 95, they also give us important principles that uh, we need to know and also are patterns of commendation and correction for us today, personally, and in our local church and in our generation as, as the church of our generation. So they, they have vital spiritual lessons for us today.
1: And you're still working on the Revelation notes at this point, right?
0: Yes. In fact, I'm finishing chapter 19 uh, at this time, and probably uh, we're looking at about eight months before it's going to be in print, possibly even ten, because I want to go back through it and give uh, great attention to to uh, detail, um, you know, and so that uh, this story, because there are so many end-time views, I want to explain as much as possible why I hold the particular positions I do on various points of interpretation.
1: That makes sense. So if people want to check out Colossian Notes or any of your other works, where can they do so?
0: Uh, they can get that book from our website, org. They can get it from Creation House's website, your your, your website. They can get it from uh, Barnes & Noble online, uh, Goodreads, if they're e-book readers. Um, ChristianBook.com and a number of other sources.
1: All right, great. And that's Greg Hinnant org for all of our listeners. Well, thank you. That's so, correct. Thank you so much for coming on today's show. I really appreciate talking to you and just hearing your insight on these topics.
0: Well, thank you, Taylor.
1: All right. You've been listening to Greg Hinnant on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us.
2: Hi everyone, this is Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network, and I want to speak to you on behalf of Evangelical Christian Churches, and if you've ever had a desire to be trained, equipped, and credentialed as a chaplain, you may really want to listen to this message. It's probably now would be a great time to fulfill the call of God on your life. We're still early in the year. You can accomplish so much still in this year of 2016. Becoming a licensed minister will enable you to reach out at jail ministries, hospitals, nursing homes. Maybe you want to do street evangelism or teaching, traveling, going to across the world to minister. Women's Aglow would be good. Maybe even in anti-abortion facilities, counseling, traveling, whatever it is that you've got in your heart, there's no better place to be trained and equipped than Destiny School of Ministry Chaplaincy Training Institute. Let me say that again. The Destiny School of Ministry Chaplaincy Training Institute. They're going to offer you the opportunity to be trained and credentialed as a chaplain. It's always good to have official credentials. They have correspondence classes and extremely affordable tuition. They're licensed throughout the state of Michigan and fully accredited. You can call them now. They actually prefer you to call them. Their number is 586-773-6568. And one more time, 586-773-6568. The good thing about a podcast is you can back this up and listen to the phone number again. Their website is evangelchristianchurches.com. Check them out there or just call that number one more time, 586-773-6568 for the chaplaincy training program. Get credentialed today. God bless you.